Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. And it is time for Counterpoint. We've got Anthony Fury, Sun Post Media columnist. That's where you can find him. And Bob Richardson, when he's not at a soccer field, you can also find him <laughs> over at National Public Relations. Hello there. Hello. Let's talk a little bit about another promise kept. 758 uh, energy contracts cancelled this afternoon, learning about that. Um, And we're talking almost $800 million in savings. Um, Bob, I will start with you on this. This is a a promise that the PCs made. They were running on it. But it is the only way you're going to get hydro bills down if they actually want to solve the hydro issue. Well, number one, uh, on this one, um, I'm going to agree with the government. Um, I think, uh, number one, at this point... Which government? Time, uh, the one in power? The, the one in power. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we, don't, uh, we don't need the power uh, at the moment. Look, it was a noble goal to try to diversify our power base from nuclear, gas, hydro, and add the green industries. I support the idea. The execution was abominable. Mm-hmm. And, and the contracts that got signed were too rich. Um, they were not business-like from the government perspective, and I think that the government's right in doing what they're uh, doing here. Um, and the worst of it is, I know some people say, oh, it was partisanship to make some liberals rich. I can point to just as many conservatives who uh, held these sort of contracts too as well. This wasn't partisanship. It was stupidity. And uh, and I'm glad that the government is cleaning up the mess. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting because, again, for our listeners, Bob is a liberal and for him to recognize that. Well, I mean, look, it's 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 if you're seeing it that way, I think it, it adds an, an interesting perspective. But, you know, the, the, the opposition, uh, Anthony's going to uh, complain and they already are saying that this is going to cost thousands and thousands of jobs. But these are subsidized jobs. Well, well and that's just it. And, and the problem is this was a fake economy uh, to begin with. So any sort of any of the legal arguments you're going to be hearing, the fact that there's going to be lawsuits and so forth, a lot of that does not hold water. I, I wrote a, a column I did a lot of research for about a year and a half, uh, year and a half ago, arguing that we should tear up these very contracts and there's a lot of professors, several professors, who have written different reports on this, how to do it. One thing that I'm pleased to see is that Doug Ford will be instructing one of the ministers uh, to draft legislation effectively nullifying these contracts such that you can't really sue the government over them. People are going to say this may show that you can't do business with Ontario and so forth. That's nonsense because this isn't like hiring someone to build a highway and then saying, well, screw you and not paying them. And then that does diminish our trust with uh, major construction consortiums. This is not a real industry in the first place. And the whole reason we had to pay them, as Bob pointed out, these much higher rates, you know, sometimes five, 10, 40 times Mm -hmm. the going rate in some cases was because it was an untested Wild West industry. So you had to give people super wild incentives for them to even go into it in the first place. I will say you are going to hear some small families uh, say, look, we refinanced our home to buy a a certain, you know, solar panel wind thing or whatever to put into the grid for this. We're upset about this and we're going to be negatively impacted and, and we should listen to them. And there's the chance that some of these people are in that case. And those middle class families do deserve to be made whole to some degree. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that, Bob. I mean, look, you know, at at some point, um, people were going on what the last government recommended in this industry. And if they've changed because, you know, they were doing what the government wanted them to do, and then all of a sudden, they're out of pocket. I'm not sure that's fair. I agree. And I think uh, there's an opportunity here for arbitration on a number of these uh, contracts. I don't think people should uh, treat this as a get rich quick Mm -hmm. scheme. At the same time, if they've done, followed the rules, did everything right, 
you know, uh, did financing based on what uh, the government told them, signed contracts, then I think that there's an obligation, uh, you know, on behalf of the Crown to make sure that those people end up whole. So, look, this is, I think it was well-intended, poorly executed, needs to get uh, needs to get cleaned up. I do worry a little, uh, Anthony, that the government's first moves have been, um, you know, cancel uh, a wind project that's almost completed. Uh, doing this here, uh, the change in the CEO at Hydro, it starts to create um, an environment where it looks like there's too much instability from a business perspective on. So I'd like to see some action from the government over the next three or four weeks, kind of um, reinstilling faith that it is pro-enterprise, pro-business, uh, and is not going to be meddling every time they don't like something that happens. I get that. I think when you look at the specific industries, though, you can see why they've done it, where they've done it. And I should hope the people in the other industries who we do generally want to continue doing business with uh, would see that. I mean, I see this as a warning shot. Ford basically saying to people who are in the crony capitalist system and people who are public servants who might not be on board with the with his agenda, I'm serious and I'm I'm doing the art of the deal here. I'm I'm, I'm shooting yeah. for the moon and 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 then hoping to get what I can. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about. Um, the sex ed curriculum, which from a strategic point, I'm not sure it was the smartest uh, move for them to repeal it. They probably could have left it in while they make the tweaks and changes. However, it has sparked a huge backlash and a Toronto educator has decided to create an online video lesson teaching what would be the scrapped sex ed curriculum. Um, Anthony, should they be doing this and ignoring the mandate? <laughs> you know what? When I was, I don't know, 17 or something, I, I saw, you know, online educational sex videos <laughs> myself. Debbie Does times, Dallas so, is not the kind know, of education we're talking about. You know, it's, it, it's been done. <laughs> look, look I, I, this, I find this uh, a lot of ado about nothing. I very much support children in the school system being told that, you know, some people have two moms some people have two dads and that's okay and, and and you know we all love each other i also support people being told if someone you know sends you a text message saying send you send us topless photos of yourself do not do it online safety and so forth and i hope in this new legislation they factor all that in and they listen to all stake stakeholders including yeah. you know lgbt people who are who are concerned but there was not good consultation on this i did stories on fois that showed all of this and whatever one wants to say about ben levin's connection or lack of connection you know he was there as the deputy minister and that kind of tainted this whole thing and people are, are right to say I, I don't like the optics of that so it's fine to do a new version and this 98 is not the one they're using in perpetuity they're just getting a new one soon Bob? Um, I was nice to the government on the last issue not so much on this <laughs> uh, I think they are pandering to a small uh, minority within their party a very very small uh, minority and it makes me almost physically sick that Charles McVitie and people like Tannic Granick Allen are actually having significant Im Im impact on public policy in uh, in this province because if they actually had to run for public office and put those views forward they get their clocks cleaned but anyways that's point number one that I would do Point number two is there's the government looks like there are about a 1974 Ford LTD station wagon on this issue. Um, it, it looks old and ridiculous. The 1998 uh, curriculum uh, has no bearing on where we are today in 2018. I realize it's a starting point, but they, their language could have been better. They could have uh, they could have been smarter in terms of their out outreach to the L LGBT community. A whole variety of different things, none of which they did. Poorly handled, uh, looks dumb, looks old, needs to get fixed and needs to be modernized so that we're reflecting what's going on in reality in the province. They haven't done that.
But who said they're not going to? I mean, I get that. But I, I, I in my heart of hearts, well, they, do, I do not think that they're going to change it much. Not, yeah. Their language was not great. They have not sent out uh, appropriate signals to various people saying, hey, understand what you're saying. We're working on that and we'll, we'll come. They didn't do any of that. So the fault on this one lays squarely with the government and they need to fix it. Well, well I think putting Lisa McLeod as that minister for starters is actually a major sign because Lisa McLeod is somebody who's known as the, a very prominent uh, pro-LGBT rights person in the caucus. So the fact that you were, you know, they were putting Lisa McLeod as opposed to, you know, Lisa Monty, Thompson? Yeah, oh, someone who someone who yeah. said they're supportive of these issues is, is is probably a good sign for all of that. I do think we got to move away from the kind of you know binary thinking on this issue. I know a lot of gay and lesbian parents at, at my son's school and you know in the neighborhood who they are not saying you know you know we're, we're we want all this you know over the top sex ed curriculum at the earliest times possible I and agree. so forth. So there's a a, a bit of a it, it almost kind of makes people look bad in the way we're having this kind of conversation. But I have to be honest, I get very tired of like the, I mean, Charles McVitie and Tanya Growling, they do not speak for all conservatives. They're a very small group in the conservative party. I mean, well, you know, they're invited. They're on the floor of the throne speech. They're out prominently talking afterwards Uh, for any, anybody who is a run of the mill person watching, you would sure think they're running the show. Yeah. Well, they're not because I can assure you if they were, I'd be making a lot more nice because you know, there are many conservatives out there. um, and And I know a lot, of parents period no matter what their political persuasion is who don't actually like the curriculum they think it's a little bit too old uh coming in too young but they just don't say anything because they don't want to get yelled at and and else you know i've spoken at length to both charles and tanya and you know when you actually have a long form conversation with them rather than just the couple times there's clips that you put in the news to make them look bad you know you go okay that's you know that's interesting there's some things i agree with other things i disagree with this idea that they're the great satans just isn't true yeah but just to, to suggest that all conservatives are i mean they represent a, i think a very small part of the party but nonetheless they've got a big voice hey no name calling here just differing opinions going head to head with counterpoint Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is Counterpoint, and tonight we've got Anthony Fury and Bob Richardson joining us. Let's talk a little bit about this fight that seems to be getting quite heated between the feds and the Ontario PC party. Last week, as you will recall, um, the Ford administration said, your mess, we're not paying for it anymore, there's no room. And that's when Mr. Trudeau kind of gave him a finger-wagging, saying you don't understand immigration well. Lisa McLeod um, has basically come out and is slamming Immigration Minister Ahmed Hussein, calling him a bully and also saying uh, that uh, he owes her an apology for calling her un-Canadian. They were at a meeting today in Winnipeg. Take a listen to the exchange. Ontario, sadly, has chosen the language of fear and division. They've chosen to intentionally um, use language that could potentially criminalize uh, asylum seekers in the minds of Canadians. I think maybe the minister should sit down, have a nice cup of tea, calm down a little bit, and maybe phone me and apologize for calling me un-Canadian. Okay, Bob, so it's going well. It's going really well. Um, You know, we've got um, a problem. It's a declared problem. John Tory has declared it a crisis, and the province is just basically calling it what it is, but the feds are now turning it into a word game. Where are you at on this? I think both sides need to take a, a, a little bit of a relax on this. Calling out Ahmed Hussein, if you've ever met him, a, a bully is laughable. This is one of the nicest, considerate, smartest guys. He's the exact type of person anybody in public life would like to attract to their party, and he's a good minister. 
By the way, I like Lisa McLeod too as well. She's a she's tough. She's a hard worker. She's been a good uh, foot soldier for her party and a good member of the legislature. I think both of them need to put the talking points from the prime minister's yeah. office down and from the premier's office down because they're both actually reasonable folks. This is a problem that we're going to have to deal with. It's going to require uh, everyone putting a little water into their wine, and we uh, and we have to deal with it. The feds don't want to have tens of thousands of people pouring across the border any more than the province does. Um, um, so, and, and the mayor certainly doesn't either. So we've got to figure out what do we do along the border? How do we deal with the situation that's here? But you can't just walk away from the table and say, geez, I'm not playing. And the federal government could tone its rhetoric down because some of the things that the province is saying is not without reason. Yeah, I mean, and they could tone their rhetoric around, but uh, Anthony, they could also deal with this and actually shut down the border points. Uh, and they could also be truthful about the situation. Alex, I've been studying this since early last year, early 2017, when the border flare-up first started to happen. Let me tell you, this is not refugees. This is not the same situation as the Syrian intake. This is not immigration. We have never had an issue like this. And down south, they're being torn apart. Their social fabric is tearing apart because they have a situation like this. It's just 10, 20 times larger. We want to stop this thing now before it gets larger. A porous, unpoliced border where people are just flowing across willy-nilly. And Justin Trudeau saying Doug Ford doesn't understand the situation. Give me a break. Justin Trudeau's been talking in denial of the situation. And the FOIs that Post Media have done have shown that his welcome to hashtag goofiness, welcome to Canada uh, hashtag goofiness, was a main driver of this. And that is a fact. That is completely ridiculous. It's a a fact. There's not a shred of evidence to back that up. And that is completely ridiculous. Internal documents from embassies, from departments, bureaus that we have in in the U.S.? It's that sort of rhetoric that's getting us to the point that we're at. And that that is as ridiculous as some of the things that have come out uh, from uh, from others. What is ridiculous about it? A tweet from a, a, a politician did not drive tens of thousands of people to the border. Changes in U.S. policy and the way that they were conducting themselves drove tens of thousands of people to our border. Bob, we so know the let, FOI let, let, show let, people got in touch with that. their embassies and said, oh, Trudeau said we, the New York Times said Trudeau said we're welcome. Is that true? Can nonsense. we come in? It's nonsense, and I don't buy it for a minute, Anthony. We've got the documents. Well, you know, we ran with them. Uh, and let me just tell you, it's nonsense. And that didn't drive anything. What drove is the political that's going down there. All that being said, we can deal with this. So we gotta we gotta have a reasonable approach to it. Uh, I think we have to be probably tougher at the borders. Um, we have to make sure that we get funding uh, to the cities and others that are dealing with this. We've got to move some of the people out of major urban centers into places like Chatham and others where they're looking for workers. Uh, we need to be practical, practical and competent on this one. What we don't need to do is a huge finger pointing thing and uh, say this happened because of a hashtag six or eight months ago. All right, let's. Uh, I want to give a little bit of time to this uh, con- this uh, conversation because uh, Anthony, you wrote about this in the Toronto Sun today, and it has to do with the gun and gang pi- uh, problem that Toronto has. And John Tory, I think, uh, faces a very big test in dealing with this. But you know, he's got to be tough about it. 
Absolutely. I think this is the biggest test he's had to date. And and one of the bigger challenges is John Tory's been seen as, as, as something of a pushover. I mean, I think m- most people would agree in the balance he's a pretty decent mayor, but he doesn't really drive the agenda. A lot of the overreaching asks from the left on council, the safe injection site stuff and caving to Black Lives Matter, that has been sort of signature issues and he hasn't been driving the bus on all of that. Now he's got to be the one to put down his foot and say, no, I run this city. Yes, we need, you know, social programs to help you young people not you know fall through the cracks blah 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 but we gotta lay down the law we can't put up with them he called them sewer rats he probably just did it off the cuff and then all these activists oh you've got to apologize are you kidding me and he said he wouldn't and i thought that was great i was glad he did and he's gonna have the silent majority the diverse silent majority in this city with him yeah bob the challenge for john tory is it is an election year and he does have to be tough because there is a serious problem well, you know what? He, he needs to be tough on that issue. I think he did the right response. I agree with Anthony. He shouldn't apologize for one minute to some of those uh, uh, some of those characters. Uh, and I think he's taken the right right approach here. Again, uh, one of the reasons, but at the same time, John Tory is a middle of the road progressive conservative. He got elected because people were looking for stability. They were looking for some competence. They wanted to make progress on things like transit and infrastructure. It's a work in progress. He's got a bunch of stuff done, but there's a lot more, a uh, lot more to do. So his attend, uh, you know, his, um, his agenda is broad. What he, what he can't do is pander to some of those uh, extreme voices on the left. At the same time, he should not pander to tired, grumpy gadflies like Sue Ann Levy on the right either, who will never, ever, uh, uh, you know, be supportive of him and will always take an extreme view because she dislikes him so much. So you know what? He's got a he's got a course that he has to follow through the middle. Um, it's it's tough sometimes because you'll take heat from both sides, but he's got to do that as he moves forward. Okay, guys. On that note, I've got to uh, say goodbye because it's. Late, uh, but I, but Sue Ann Levy is ironically on next with me. Uh, <laughs> she likes John. She likes him. <laughs> Guys, thanks very much, Bob Richardson joining us tonight, and Anthony Fury also joining us tonight. Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. All right. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.